Ocean Bites Out Loud is a podcast that brings the latest news in ocean science straight to you. Our goal is to summarize the most recent scientific articles for your listening pleasure, and to talk to up-and-coming ocean scientists who have new and interesting ideas to share with the world. We hope you enjoy and learn a little something along the way. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We have a really awesome guest here with us today. For our listeners, can you please tell us your name and your pronouns? My name is Dr. Alex Moore, and I use they, them pronouns. Awesome. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about your current position and what your research interests are? Yeah, I am a new professor here at the University of British Columbia. So I just started back in July of last year. So I'm at the assistant professor level right now. The question about my work is always a little tricky. It's a mixed bag of a lot of different things, but I think kind of the biggest thematic area of my work is I do research in coastal wetland ecosystems, so spaces like salt marshes and and mangrove forests, and I'm really interested in, in better understanding their ecology and the different species that exist within them, what those species roles are and how they might influence the health of their environments. And the kind of big picture goal is to try to use that information to better understand approaches to conservation and and restoration of of those particular ecosystems. So that's kind of a broad stroke of some of the work I do. Wow, that sounds super exciting. So are you currently looking for students to join your lab? Uh, Yeah, so I have uh, already accepted one graduate student starting in the lab next year. I will be eager to accept more students for the following years. Um, So not looking to take anyone on in the next couple months, but I'm always open to having students reach out for uh, expressing their interest and thinking about opportunities or ways to to work together moving forward. That's great. So thanks thanks for sharing that. Can you tell us maybe a little bit more about your journey to this position? Like, how you ended up in Vancouver and you know the steps that you took along the way? Yeah, that is a very long story. Oh, geez, where to start? I guess the best place to start is my graduate degree. So I am from Michigan. I'm from the United States. And so uh, I grew up in Michigan and initially went to school at the University of Michigan to study uh, what I thought I was going to study chemistry because it was the thing I was good at in high school and then it turns out I hated doing it by the time I got to college. Switched paths a little bit and decided to focus on ecology research and, and did a degree in ecology and evolutionary biology as both my undergraduate degree and then also I stayed at the University of Michigan to do my master's degree also in ecology and evolution. Um, and during my master's degree, I did some of the first research I've ever really done related to uh, conservation, I I guess more broadly. So I did some work there focusing on um, freshwater ecosystems and trying to identify new species of mollusks that we had some samples of at the institution at the time. And so that was my first uh, really big foray into research and into thinking about conservation aspects of research. And so it got me really excited about doing more work Um, but I wanted to work at a bigger scale. So I didn't really want to focus on individual species identifications. And I think that that's really important work, but it wasn't exactly what I was wanting to spend um, my time on. And so moving forward, I kind of scaled up. And so I ended up doing my PhD at the Yale School of uh, Forestry and Environmental Studies. 
And while I was there, I did research on coastal salt marsh ecosystems. And so that work was focused particularly on the east coast of the United States. So thinking about salt marshes along the Long Island Sound in New England. And so thinking about uh, the areas around Massachusetts and Connecticut in particular. And my work was, again, trying to just better understand how these ecosystems work, what species you find within them, what do those species do in those environments, and how does that influence different ecosystem properties, and how might that be helpful for ecosystem health metrics. And so, yeah, I did my PhD there. It was a mixed bag of like a ton of fun and also a lot of stress, which I think is pretty common uh, for graduate degrees. And finished my program, did a little bit of work on the side, focusing on education systems. And so got really invested in teaching in high school programming to offer students kind of curriculum that is at a higher level. So offering college level research experiences and curriculum experiences to high school students to help better prepare them for, for their own undergraduate degrees moving forward. And so started to get really invested in education programming during that time as well. And then finished my, my PhD and then did a postdoc for three years at the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. While I was there, I tried to develop a new project focusing still on coastal ecosystems, but now kind of moving into mangroves. And the idea in that work was really to try to better understand, again, the different species in mangroves, what they do, how they influence their health and function. But in addition to that, I started to get really invested in understanding local communities. So the people who live near these environments and how they interact with them and the ways that their cultural values and traditional knowledges and the ways that they interact with the land can help inform and influence how we manage these ecosystems. So I started to get a bit more into the social ecological area with the work that I was doing at the museum. So then I finished that postdoc at the museum and then did a really quick postdoc at uh, Princeton University. So I was there for one year um, working in a lab that does a lot of research in, in Africa related to food web ecology and, and conservation of large carnivores. But the point of me working in that lab was really to identify and learn some new research techniques. And so they do a lot of work there with eDNA and collecting environmental samples and trying to identify uh, different metrics of ecosystem health and uh, connectivity between species found within those environments. I was really hoping to build my own kind of toolbox by adding in some of those different approaches based on what they did in that lab. And then finally finished that postdoc and then finally got this position here at UBC. So as I mentioned earlier, just started last July. So haven't been here quite a full year yet, but that was like the crash course version of how I got to where I am today. That is incredible. Wow. What what a journey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like completely amazed by how many things you've managed to do over the course of your career. And it sounds like you've never been bored. Yeah, definitely not bored. Uh, I think having a, a combination of anxiety and stress at all times really keeps me motivated. And so I, I have made very interesting choices to make sure that those are things I experience regularly. A lot of us have some combination of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering also throughout all of these experiences, all of this research that you've done, did you find any like takeaways that you'd like to share with us? I don't know that I have like big picture takeaways. The work that I do, it has a lot of sort of thematic similarities. So trying to better understand these ecosystems and, and also engage with the people who live near them and work near them. Um, I would say that kind of the biggest takeaway is that it's really, really difficult to find common generalizations that you can make across different spaces and across these different kinds of environments. Uh, I think that 
ecology as a discipline likes to try to come up with like these really strong like themes or these really strong theories that describe behaviors and that those things can be applied across a variety of different contexts. And I, and other people also know this, that like, there's a lot of context dependency in the work that we do. So one thing we see in one place might not be the same thing we see in another place, even if we're doing the exact same kind of experiment or working with very similar environments or ecosystems or animals. And so one thing that I have learned in all of this is that even if I'm asking the same question in a different place, I'm bound to get a very different answer, which will kind of pull me into a different direction of work and prompt other different kinds of questions that I might want to ask. And so that's something that has been, I think, a really motivating aspect for me about the work that I do is that I, I'm you know, asking similar questions, approaching these things in very similar ways, but learning so, so many different things in, in different contexts and when talking to different groups of people. And so I think that that is something that I get excited about. And I know that that's maybe not the perfect answer to the question that you asked, but is sort of the thing that kind of stands out the most for me is that like I'm doing things that I think are relatively simple, but getting really complex, diverse, you know, reactions and, and responses to this kind of work. And so that is something that I'm really kind of invested in investigating more. Well, I mean, that is a perfect lead into my next question, because I am wondering what motivates you to do this research? It sounds like you kind of started off you know, really excited about the science and, you know, the, the analytical part of it. But now it sounds like it's kind of shifted a little bit more toward the social side. Yeah, I mean, I think that I have always been motivated by a sort of broad desire to be doing work that is like meaningful, right? So the work that I'm doing has some kind of application uh, in the real world. So for me, that looks like doing these field experiments or doing these lab experiments. And the whole goal for me is to better understand these spaces so that we can take that information and then do a better job of taking care of these resources uh, in the real world or do a better job of like engaging with people or taking care of people's needs uh, in the process of doing the work that we're doing. So even though I've kind of shifted my focus to, to not only be ecological or environmental in nature, but to also now include these social aspects that the sort of overriding um, motivator through all of it is really just trying to find best practices for helping improve the quality of life and the quality of health for natural resources and also the communities of people who rely on them. So that is always kind of the, the big thing that drives me in the work that I do. Yeah, and that is extremely important. I mean, a lot of times I think scientists tend to get focused on, you know, the science and the analytical part and like, oh yeah, how can we apply this and everything, but then leave out the people as well mm -hmm. in the context. Science doesn't exist on its own. It exists in these contexts. So it's really awesome. And I'm hoping we can see more of that in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm excited about. I think that I got hired because it is something that I feel strongly about. And I think that institutions are increasingly recognizing the value of, of this kind of perspective where we're really trying to really better understand how the work that we do impacts other people, how it impacts the spaces that we occupy, how it impacts the sort of downstream users of the data or the information. And so I am also hopeful that this becomes more central in the ways that we as a sort of scientific community think about the work that we do. I'm also wondering, so you mentioned that you did some work with the education system and mm. did a little bit of research with that. Did you find anything that might help implement this in the future with the education system and science coming together? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the other thematic areas for me that I focus on is, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice, and trying to make the work that we do as accessible as possible to as many different groups of people as possible. What I have found in my own experiences in in these systems is that there's a lot of work that we have to do to make this space open and uh, accessible to those who have aspirations to be within these spaces. And and I think that there are ways that we can be doing our our research and there are ways that we can be doing our teaching and our mentoring that is supportive of a variety of different kinds of folks to come in into these spaces and and contribute their perspectives, right? And contribute their backgrounds and feel like they are seen and heard in the process of the of the work that we're doing. Uh, and so yeah, I've spent quite a lot of time doing after school programming for high school students. I've done summer programming for students. I have engaged in a number of different kinds of efforts that really try to emphasize the importance of making this kind of work as available to as many people as possible, but also in a way that they can see themselves doing it, right? So not only just showing them that these things exist, but that they can also envision themselves as people who are practicing in a part of these communities of of scholars. And I think that that is a really powerful way to do research. I think it's a powerful way to try to be a role model. I think that these are just things that I find um, motivate me more than the research itself, frankly, is, is really thinking about best ways to engage with community and engage with future potential scholars or people who want to be involved in this work. And I think that that, um, if that attitude were brought to the table by more people, and I I don't want to say that it's not, like, I think lots of people do this work, but I think the more people we see bringing this perspective into their discipline, I think the better uh, it will be, not only for the discipline, but also for the community of people who are a part of that work. Yeah, and that's incredible. And I totally agree. It is so important, I think, especially to see people who look like us <laughs> in these positions and in the future continue to be in these positions because, I mean, growing up, I didn't see any Black people doing science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that was that was it. I was like, oh, there's this old white man mm-hmm. in a lab coat somewhere pouring test tubes around. But I think more and more, you know, with social media and like people in academia as well, being able to see this in action is going to be so important as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. You're involved in all these different organizations. Is there anything or any organization that you would like to highlight? One effort that I think is really well done with regard to increasing access for student opportunities is when I was doing my postdoc at the American Museum of Natural History, they have this program in their education department that's called the Science Research Mentoring Program, and they call it SHRIMP for shorthand. Um, And the SHRIMP program is, I think, one of the best models that I have seen for encouraging students to be involved in in research opportunities. And uh, at least in the model that they run at the museum, students apply to this program, they get paired up with a mentor who's a researcher at the institution. The students get paid to be a part of the program so that it's something that one incentivizes them, but also helps make it more accessible to folks who um, might otherwise be losing money if they have to, you know, have part-time jobs or it's not something that they have time for in their day-to-day lives. Um, And I think that that program does a lot to help kind of shift the culture of who has access to these kinds of resources. I think it also does a lot to really just like shape the minds of these students who come into the program and do the work and engage with scientists and see themselves as practicing scientists because they're also helping with these research projects over the course of the year. And so I think that program is really, really wonderful. But I'm hoping to really engage a bit more in some of the 
you know, opportunities to do accessible work here at UBC and, and in the province at large. The first one that came to mind for me was the program at the museum, because I felt like over, over time, it really started to do that really, really well. Yeah, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes for sure. But you mentioned that this is your first year on campus at UBC. Mm-hmm. What does a normal day look like for you as you're kind of getting your lab set up and starting this position? I don't know if it's normal wild (laughs) there's there's kind of no such thing as a normal day so like today for example I had a meeting this morning about a hiring initiative that's happening at UBC Uh, I then had another meeting related to teaching so taking over a class next year so working with some of the teaching staff here about ways to to do that work and then now doing this meeting and interview with you so that's like that's what today has looked like but I wouldn't say that today represents most days um, some days there are lots of meetings, uh, every day there's a billion emails. There's just like always emails to answer. Uh, otherwise I think parts of my day look a lot like writing manuscripts. So I've got data that I've been working on with some students. So trying to write papers to submit to journals. Um, it looks a little bit like trying to identify locations to do local research. So right now I'm in the process of trying to identify some potential field sites to work in, uh, BC in to try to better understand some of the coastal ecosystems out here. Uh, other days, it can look like doing some lab work. I've got some old lab samples that I've been trying to process with some students. So I've been doing a little bit of that. Um, but really, it's kind of it's just like a mixed bag. Every day is a new adventure, uh, unless I'm teaching during a semester, which has like a super rigid, rigid schedule. Right. So I'll teach like Monday and Wednesday and then I'll know that I'm teaching on those days. And then what happens around teaching can vary quite a lot depending on the time of year and then whatever else is going on at any given time. But those are kind of the buckets of of things that I am dipping into regularly, even if the day to day activities are not exactly the same. I'm impressed that you can balance all of that. I mean, I didn't say I was or doing it well, but it's definitely what I'm I'm trying to, to do a good job at. Yeah, I honestly can't imagine like, even just doing like master's stuff, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, once you kind of, once you get to the faculty level, you really do level up. Like you, the expectations of you become not even twice as big, like they become exponentially larger than they were before. And then your responsibilities also become larger. But the nice thing about it is that you have the flexibility to kind of decide what you want to focus on at, at any given time. So I don't have someone every day telling me what I need to do. I get to wake up each day and kind of decide my own day. Um, and so that freedom, I think, is something that appeals to a lot of people. Yeah, it, it does sound like it's a pretty nice and flexible job for sure. <laughs> I'm also wondering what kind of obstacles you faced while pursuing your career. So, I mean, you've kind of like made it, (laughs) if Mm. you want to call it that, like you've made it to the promised land, like the academic (laughs) position of, you know, your, your professor now at a, at a prestigious university. What was kind of like difficult for you as you pursued this? Or I guess also I'm wondering what made you decide that you wanted to stay in academia once you finished your graduate degrees? Yeah, in terms of obstacles, I think that for me, what was most challenging was not related to the research or the work itself. I think that I found it initially really challenging um, just because of a lack of community, right? It was hard for me to feel like I was cultivating meaningful connections with people. 
that would enable me to feel supported uh, both like in my personal life and also in my professional life. And so that was something when I got into my my PhD program, I really hyper like really emphasized a desire to make connections with people and to build community and to create spaces for other people to also feel like they can connect and build community within. Because at the end of the day, doing a graduate degree is a challenge, right? There's nothing about it that's easy. And the more support structures that you can have in place to, to make your way through that process, especially with other folks who are going through it with you, the better off you will be, uh, you know, as you as you manage to go through each of those different stages. And so I found in my first graduate degree, the, this lack of community was was the most challenging part of that. And so moving into my PhD, I really wanted to emphasize building that so that I had those structures to rely on when when things got challenging or as folks to to rely on for like celebrating successes, right? So just having people around you for each of those things, I found that to be really important. And I would say even coming into this current position, like community, if I had to give any recommendation, um, it's that like building community, no matter where you are, is going to be an essential thing to, to try to do. Um, sometimes you're, you're able to enter into spaces where there already is a really great community that you can fit into. And then other times you'll find that you're in spaces where there isn't. And so it might be worth putting some labor and time and effort into trying to cultivate that because it will benefit you in the long run. Um, and so, yeah, so that's something that I also feel is true here. So I'm in this first year, have been working through just kind of trying to figure out what my community here looks like and, and how to connect with folks. Um, to, to, again, help support me as a person, but then also help me feel like I can do my job well. Um, so those are, I think that's one of the biggest obstacles. And, and I'll leave it at that, I think, for now. Um, but to the question about why I decided to kind of stick around and, and move into this this position, I think it's a, a great question. At no point when I started my graduate degree did I feel like I wanted to be a professor. It was never an aspiration for me to, to be faculty. If you had asked me at any stage during my degrees, I would have told you absolutely not, because I think that academic systems are, are not cultural spaces that feel inherently supportive, and they're not necessarily spaces where you can see yourself doing the work you want to do successfully. And so, and I think there are structures in place that really work against that for some people. Uh, and so I had been seeing a lot of that during my graduate degrees and was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not at all interested in, in moving in that direction. As I made my way through my postdoc, because I did a really unconventional postdoc at the museum, which wasn't research focused, but was also really emphasizing diversity and inclusion and mentoring, um, I started to really, really value and see that aspect of, of my work and as my job as something I wanted to continue doing. I also started to feel even more strongly about wanting to do meaningful research that has environmental applications, so for conservation. And so um, this UBC job opportunity came up uh, as a part of a cluster hiring initiative around biodiversity loss solutions. So people who are doing work with the intention of trying to help improve conditions for uh, natural systems. It made so much sense to me to apply for that job because it had really clear applications. It wasn't just a research stream position where you get the job and your, your focus is research and publications. It was part of my job here is to do research and publications, but also impact the environment and, and management. Uh, and that means a lot to me, that that is a way that I'm also being evaluated in, in, in my role here. So I wanted to do that. I also still really, you know, am invested in mentoring and building capacity for institutions to support diverse scholars. And so I'm also 
putting a lot of time and effort into that here at UBC. So I will say that the reason I took this job and the reason that I have decided to stay in academic systems is because at least for right now, it, it is enabling me to do the things that I feel are most important to me to be doing. And if at any point I feel like I'm not able to move in those directions and do those things that I value uh, within the framework of the institution that I'm in, then, you know, it might not be a space that I will stay in because I, I do feel really strongly about kind of sticking to those core values of mine in the work that I do. So UBC allows me to do that. And so that is what led me to, to, to where I am today. And I think that's a really interesting mindset to have because I mean, most people are like, you know, I have values, but at the same time, you know, I need a job and I need to make money and everything. But here you're really sticking to your core values and saying like, no, the position I have needs to match the core values that I have to continue to do good in the world, to continue to inspire people and provide access to these spaces. So I think for me, that's really inspiring. And to other people, I think if we had that mindset a little bit more, if it was a little bit more common, I think we would be able to make a lot more progress than, you know, what's what's currently happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think it's also just important to add that, like, I am making this choice because I can afford to make this choice, right? Mm -hmm. There are some folks who have many core values that they might not be able to see reflected in the work that they do. But at the end of the day, sometimes you just need a job, right? You just need to be able to do what you're doing to make a living. And so I don't at all have a negative opinion of folks who don't move in the same way that I do. I just happen to have a, a privilege, you know, to be in a position where I can make that kind of choice. And, and that's something that I want to keep being able to do for as long as I can. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. I mean, for those of us who do have the opportunity to do this, it is kind of like it is a privilege for us to be able to do this and to continue to to do this in the future. So I mean, I'm I'm impressed and I hope that, you know, others are inspired by what you've done in your journey and everything. So thank you and mm -hmm. we'll we'll continue to keep an eye on you for sure. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So kind of to wrap us up a little bit, I'm wondering what's something that you're excited about for the future whether that's work-related or life-related in general? I mean, I'm definitely excited about exploring British Columbia. Um, having never lived in the Pacific Northwest before, it's exciting to me to be able to see mountains <laughs> uh, and to see just like giant trees everywhere I go. Um, the Midwest is fairly flat. And so this has been a, a remarkable kind of landscape to be to bear witness to. And so I'm excited to explore it a bit more, both personally and professionally, as I start to identify local spaces to really do research in. And, you know, beyond that, I think the, the, the like first thing that came to mind when you asked me that question was the fact that I got Beyonce tickets. And so I'm excited to go see Beyonce in September. So that's like the big, the sort of big life thing that's, that's on the horizon for me that I'm particularly excited about. <laughs> I am so jealous. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> there are so many clips on TikTok and just like on Instagram making their way around. And I have been avoiding all of them because I want to have just like, an unencumbered, unadulterated experience. And so I have no idea what's happening, but that is to say that like you can invest in watching all of those if you're not able to go in real life. Honestly, I might do that. I just like need to live vicariously. <laughs> my bank account is saying no right now. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. We have we do we do have to listen to the bank account. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else that you want to share with us? Anything else that you wanted to highlight? about your research or about what's going on with you? Overall, uh, if, if nothing else kind of 
comes from this in terms of a really big takeaway. I think for me, it's just important for us to be in the work that we do and the ways that we do our work is kind of thinking about ways that we can also be supporting other people through through what we do. And so that's something that means a lot to me. It's something that I feel like is especially important as we start shifting through these different political landscapes across different countries. And so I think finding ways to support community and support other folks in uh, whatever capacity we have is really important. So that's kind of a thing that I would wish into the world. And that's kind of what I would maybe like to leave everyone thinking a bit more about as we wrap this conversation up. Yes, definitely. And I mean, I think that is that is extremely important for us to continue to do this in the future and continue to keep in mind. As we move forward, as you said, in these context-dependent situations, it is it is extremely important. So Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having this conversation with me. And we are wishing you the best for the future. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Ocean Bites Out Loud is supported by CFUV 101.9 FM at the University of Victoria and the Graduate School of Oceanography at the University of Rhode Island. 